0: windshield time after a week took a week off back at it today got to drop my kid off at school came out into the old WMOT 89.5 had a little John Prine how lucky can one man get on there congratulations John Prine being uh, inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame there's certain things in life or certain people and everything associated with them are really cool and always will be. Like John Prine's one of those. Of course, Dolly Parton is one of those. Uh, Sam Elliott is one of those. Uh, who else? Jeff Bridges. That's what makes a Big Lebowski so damn cool. You got Jeff Bridges and Sam Elliott that if you ran into either one of them, like there's never been a story of either one of them being a dick. You know, you're just like, ah, oh, that'd be cool anyway. So, regardless of what John Prine's song it is, you got to tune on. Turn on, tune, turn it up, tune in, turn it. Whatever. Decent weekend. Really didn't leave the house that much. Went to Lowe's yesterday to get some supplies. Wife decided to uh, start peeling off the wallpaper. Yes, I said wallpaper in our bathroom. Eighty-two year old house, so you know there's not going to be anything behind there that is, is going to lead to more cost and more work. It's all gonna. It's just gonna peel right off. There's not going to be any holes in the old plaster. There's not gonna be, uh, you know, some some shady wiring. There's not gonna be uh, some trim here and there. There's not gonna be any of that. So of course that's what we ran into, so. Plaster's not that bad, though. I can patch that up, it'll be fine. It's just a wallpaper in a bathroom. Cause it's, the bathroom's steamy. And it's just, that's what you use to remove wallpaper, is steam. But all things considered, it's gonna look pretty good think when we get through painting it and everything it's just it was black and white striped beetle juice looking wallpaper vertical stripes thick white and then it had a big thick black border on the top of it uh it was just awful it's like if you wanted to make your your bathroom that's small look even smaller and and uh more uncomfortable that's what you'd put up but then again the more i look at houses and stuff and more i realize that people just had awful I mean, I'm not even like a trend spotter when it comes to architecture or like interior design, but the floral patterns, ugh, even in the day, had to be people today to step back and like, man, I don't care. I'm just gonna paint it white. Tell your floral patterns. So got that going on. Of course, house full of three kids. On week four of the gluten-free diet and cooking everything at the house, we did break down, get a babysitter this weekend. Drove into Nashville and ate at a just random... Well, actually, my wife had eaten there. Sushi joint. Wasn't bad. Held maybe 50 people. Osaka on Elliston Place. Not bad at all. Food was as solid as you could get. It was good. I mean, ginger salad. The usual prerequisites when going to a sushi restaurant. In anywhere America, you know. uh, What did we get? Oh, sushi. uh, ginger salad... About four rolls, and then something else. Last week was good, went and ate at green fez again. Met my friend Joe and Lizzie there. Ate, ordered about 70% of the stuff on the menu. Worcestershire peppers were pretty stellar also. Been still going down the rabbit hole of uh, cast iron. Uh, came across a cast iron skillet of the day online. that looked like, if you looked at it, it looked like if you needed a mold to form dildos, this would be the pan for you. You're like, all right, what mold would look more like like a sexual object? And it would have been this cast iron skillet. But come to find out, under further research, it um, it it's called California Acorn, and it's like elongated. It just take like the standard top to a, uh, it's like an acorn and then stretch it out five times longer than it should be. That's what this pan looks like. A little bit more girthiness, to say the least. But uh, yeah, apparently it's a highly sought-after pan, huh? Who knew? So if you find a California acorn out there, folks, if you look, you see this cast iron uh, mold that looks like you could uh, bake cornbread dildos in it. Yeah, you may want to hold on to that. Still going down that rabbit hole, man. A lot about cast iron is really kind of blowing my mind. One, there's a lot of people have a lot of freaking cast iron. Very few people have like. In the modern era, one or two people have cast iron. They're either over 80 or they're just getting started. Because cast iron seems to be like fishing poles and classic cars. You can't just have one. Uh, but, uh, little David Gray. There we go. Talk about Serendipitous. This song came out right after, or it came out right before 9 11 happened. Not wishing 9 11 happened, but if you're going to have a song come out, and going to bump you up in some sales. Uh, New York, I Love You New York would be the top of that list. But um Cast Iron, man. So the, every, every like, group or subculture or something has, like, they just can't be bothered with saying the full name of shit. They just got to shorten everything down. Military does with initials of things and a lot of people, too. So on the Cast Iron groups is... Uh, the, the two big sought-after ones are uh, Griswold and Wagner. <clears throat> Another one is Erie. And then, uh, of course, Lodge is a, the, the hold-up. is a long-standing stalwart that still, like, made it. There's, like, 10 or 12 different people that made them. And, uh, and uh, Lodge is the only one still making them. So Griswold, very highly sought-after. It just depends on the size, the bigger ones and the smaller ones. Um uh, and then uh Wagner is another one. They just call it Wags. Let's call it. And you're when you're in the know, you just call it Wags. Got a Wags number seven. Uh and uh Wagner, Griswold, Erie. The weird thing about cast iron is the ones that are the oldest and most sought after are the ones that possess the least amount of markings on them. That, to identify them and sometimes like manufacturers just didn't even they didn't even put identifying markings on them at all and then some it just seems like there was just a dick or the lazy guy at the at the foundry that didn't even bother he like put his own initials on there or whatever and it's like ah oh, this is a uh, you know a lodge number three with a heat ring notch three notch heat ring that uh it's got a marking of ND in the bottom, I'm like, what's that for? Like, we don't know. Like, is there no records? Like, I don't know. It could be the initials of the guy that formed it. Who knows? But it's really bothering me because you can, you can find like a, um, like a cast iron skillet from the late 1800s. So you can find like a hundred and thirty twenty to thirty year old cast iron skillet, and or pan. It's in good shape, and you can buy it for, like, less than 50 bucks. It's like, what else can you buy that's still going to be in relatively good shape for, like, 50 bucks It's 150 years old? I mean, it blows my mind that more restaurants aren't doing, like, 100-year eggs or some shit like that. You know, the romance and the charm of this older, established, seasoned cast-iron skillet. Because after it's been used that much, you... Uh, I mean, it's just like a mirror finish. I mean, there's like this whole thing, this group I'm in on uh, Facebook called Cast Iron Cooking. Uh, there's like this thing that's been started of people that will take and cook live stream themselves cooking eggs or omelets in their pans with no grease to show the, how smooth and slick their pan is or how older and seasoned it is. That you, it's in essence just like a nonstick pan. Which then people go out and buy a cast iron skillet and try to do that, and it's just a damn disaster. Because you gotta cook about 2,000 eggs and bacon in a skillet for it to get remotely start to smooth out. And I cook on ours like six days a week. And it's getting pretty smooth, but I still got a ways to go. But the only way you can get that is if you cook with them. So, been chasing that down. Now have a couple number threes, lodge threes, and um, a number five. But I'm thinking about just selling them. Think about just get, I enjoy the process of getting them and getting them home and cleaning them up and seasoning them and getting them looking like they should have uh, for the most part. But I got, like, two buddies. My buddy Brooks and my buddy DH both have skillets that their grandmothers gave them. And their grandmothers passed away in their 90s. So it's feasible that their skillets are over 100 years old. But it's like the value to that skillet is to them. That's who would pay the most for it, or should at least. But, um... Yeah, I've been chasing down that rabbit hole. Uh, finally got the swing set put together. Two the worst words you want to hear is, uh, I, what do the kids need for Christmas from your mom? And then she goes, uh, well, I got them a swing set. You need to schedule for it to be delivered on a pallet. Yeah. So after like 20 steps, to be honest, putting the swing set together wasn't that bad at all. And I put together like dressers, swing sets, beds, bunk everything I've put together at this point that my wife has ordered. The biggest pain in the ass has been these uh, this kitchen. A miniature faux wood kitchen that she got for my daughter two Christmases ago. Estimated time? Three hours. I could redecorate my own kitchen in less than three hours for the most part. This thing was a pain in the ass to put together. Like 36 different steps of everything that need to be put together. No one's figured out how to streamline that yet? We haven't got a pop-up kitchen. Let's do a pop-up kitchen that's just made out of cardboard and it just folds together. Kids are gonna destroy it anyway. My son Archie right now is at the phase where he finds every crayon or colored pencil in the house. Every door jam in our house, I've had a magic eraser which if you have kids or have shit smudged on your door jams or look at your door jam or everything where you handle a good bit and there's things you can't get rid of, the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Somebody had to have been able to either get a job or keep a job at Mr. Clean or whatever major conglomerate owns that by bringing them the Magic Eraser. Holy shit that thing. It's just a normal sponge but I think it's like really fine like sandpaper abrasive that just kind of scrubs down a little bit. Man, those things are perfect. But, uh, what else is going on? Yeah, that was about my last week. I had a chance to catch up with my buddy Brooks. Um, told him my buddy Mike, man, we got this 1955 Motorola cabinet radio that they need to bring. Everybody talks, yes, vinyl sounds great, but if you're not playing vinyl on what it should be played on, it doesn't sound as good as it can be. And yes, I know I sound like an old guy recommending you cook on a hundred year old skillets and listen to vinyl on shit that's over fifty years old, but it's pretty legit. I'd be the first one to call BS on it, but it's pretty legit. I buy into shit like that from time to time, like most people. Got me thinking. Uh, the other day, I was thinking about my... Uh, as I've got further into this cast iron thing, my grandfather, my grandpa, Ed McCormick, huge coon hunter, starting when he was six, hunted right up to his 70s. I mean, just nonstop. I think I may have mentioned it before. But he had this huge cast iron kettle that he used to get before he passed away. He had a buddy that worked at a local grocery store, and he'd go get all the, the fat and scraps and all that stuff, uh, like boxes of them. And he would take and boil them old hot dogs and uh, hot dogs and lunch meat, shit like that. He would take and boil them in this big kettle before he fed them to his coon dogs. He also had a large 55 gallon drum of old Roy dog food that he would take old uh, cooked fryer grease from the same grocery store that made their chicken and stuff and he just kept adding fryer grease so he would scoop out for his dogs to make it more let's be honest it was a stretch of dog food longer but also I would look back in retrospect it was brilliant because it was so calorie dense like fryer grease and oil that's like people would climb Everest and stuff they have to eat like sticks of butter and shit to be able to keep their calories count up because they're burning so many just trying to survive but um, he used to have this big pan and I reached out to my Aunt Martha and asked her if she could look around for it and she knew where, knew where it was at which I'm going to bring in and clean it and everything which is going to be the irony that I'm going to use this big ass pot in my backyard to cook soup or whatever in the same uh, in, to cook in the same pot that my grandfather cooked hundreds if not thousands of pounds of food that he fed his dogs I'm pretty confident he never cooked a meal well, Martha Aunt Martha did tell me a good story about my uh, my dad that raised me coming home drunk once and eating food out of the uh, the pot because he was starving my grandfather getting pissed off about it I don't know what the condition of that food was but hey man it been boiled so it is what it is fire can cure anything but uh, I believe it's been four months I don't know if I was on podcast three or four we recorded uh, we recorded on the way to the hospital to have our son, our third child. It's already four months old, man. Time flew by in that regard. Got a, uh, I was looking at the time, just how many podcasts got to this point. Try to nail down one to two a week, man. Sorry I skipped last week, but I guess sometimes just don't have that much to talk about as goes life. But then again, anybody that's ever hung around me or drank with me knows I always have some shit to talk about. But, uh, I got a call today from a buddy or a text. He's got an empty whiskey barrel that um, he wants to age some beer in it. It always seems like a really good idea, but the question that people fail to ask, like breweries will mention like stuff that's barrel-aged, but nobody ever asks. It's like smoked or bacon-wrapped. All right, what kind of smoke? What kind of wood? Cold smoke, hot smoke, what temperature... Therefore, you know what flavor. It's like barbecue you get that you burp up two days later because it's too smoky. Ask questions. Same way of bacon. Bacon wrap. We use bacon. Okay. Not all bacon is equal. Benton's and Kroger, two for five bacon, two completely different things. If you haven't ever had Benton's bacon or Benton's ham, go online, search it. Get some shipped to you. The smoke will fill up your kitchen just opening a package of it. Really smoky, really fatty. Delicious, though. The grease is really what you want from the Benton's bacon. So my buddy's got this barrel, and he wants to uh, put a beer in it. And I asked him what was in it, and he said it was like Corsair Triple Smoke. And the beers he's wanting to put into were relatively lighter beer, lighter profile. The problem is is when you get an empty, freshly emptied whiskey barrel, is that there's still, depending on the size of the barrel, say a 50-gallon barrel, 55-gallon barrel, there's still at least a half-gallon of liquid still left in it. So if you just set it on a corner and and you could you could get a decent amount of liquid out of it, of whiskey. <coughs> um, the next one, what he has is a, excuse me, is a seven-gallon barrel, or 15-gallon. Probably still has about a half of a quart of liquid in it. So when you add beer into that, in essence, what you're doing is that liquor... Is killing. You can't put beer that's still fermenting in that without rinsing it out a little bit. Because just the alcohol content of the whiskey, what whiskey and liquor is, in comparison to beer, beer is 4 to 5% your average beer. Liquor is, is 40, 50, upwards of 95%, depending on what kind you're talking about. So when you put it in there, you need to have beer that's already through fermenting but you'll also need to take into account what kind of beer you're putting in there. So a lot of people do barley wines, they do stouts, supporters, because it can hold up, but also whatever you put in there is gonna taste a lot like whatever whiskey was in there before. However, after you do the first run for a month or so, pull that beer out. Your subsequent runs, your second, third, fourth, fifth run are gonna be less and less beer, or excuse me, less and less of the liquor before And more and more, the like more muted whiskey, but more of oaky vanilla flavors. It's really not going to lend that much to it. It will a little bit. You'll get a little bit of barrel, but it just depends on what time of year. Also, another note with barrel aging stuff. What time of year did you age it? How long? Was it all during the summer? That's going to make the barrel and the wood open up, and therefore let more liquid into it. Therefore, you can get more of a barrel. Uh of that oaky flavor, depending on whether it's French oak or white oak or American oak that the barrel's made out of. Uh how alright, was it summer? Was it winter? How long did you leave it for two years? So on so forth. That's why most beers, like what what Brandon does with Embrace of Funk, uh is all stuff that's been aged a little bit longer. So uh and then you get the more mellow out of two to three years. You just gotta be careful it doesn't get too hot in the summer because there's like a lower alcohol product, there's more water in it, of course, and therefore you get more evaporation if it gets too hot. Same way, that's why they call it the Angel's angel Share in whiskey. So, there's your education on uh, cast iron dildos and um, barrel aging beer. So, rolling on into Nashville. Let's see who sponsors are today. I haven't really, I am not passed any sponsors. FedEx Freight. Just passed them. Shout out to FedEx Freight. My cousin, uh, Wayne, Jerry, Drives for FedEx Freight. Been doing it for 15, 20 years. He loves wearing his FedEx shirt into every gas station that everybody goes, Hey, my cousin works for FedEx. Do you know? And he's just like, no, I don't. We only have about 400,000 employees, so I don't know all of them. Um, which weird, too, because I wear beer stuff around. People's like, you work for them? We sell, like, thousands of shirts and hoodies a year. Wonder how many other people get asked whether they work for the brewery because they're wearing the gear. Nice, passing over Percy Priest Dam. Just read an article this weekend in the Tennessee Wildlife Magazine that uh, they released a bunch of trout below this dam, and like ninety thousand trout, rainbow trout in the state of Tennessee that they're expecting to be caught and eaten. There's a lot of people that trout fish. I don't think there's that many. I'm optimistic. I just recommend you uh, you eating, keeping, plan on keeping everything that you catch because there's no size limit. Or, like, I think there's like a number limit of like seven or eight in a day. They recommend you not calling Like, when you catch fish, you put them on your stringer to keep them. And then you have like six that are big and six is your limit. And then you catch a bigger one and you want to keep it. They recommend you not doing that because putting them on the stringer, most likely they won't survive afterwards. So there's your wildlife minute from your old pal, Neil. That's about all I got for the day. Beautiful Monday heading into town. Going to hit up my usual taco joint on Murfreesboro Road. Um, again, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to share with a friend that wants to know more about cast iron or uh, the other randomness that I've posted in previous episodes. The only podcast recorded on somebody's commute. It's windshield time. Thank you all again for listening. I hope to hear from you soon.